and welcome to True to the Bible podcast with Hunter Davis. Thanks for joining us for this lesson in our series, Who I Am, where we'll be studying the book of John and where we see that John is writing these things to everyone so they might believe and that in believing they might have life. In this awesome book where John presents the Messiah Jesus as God, we'll see lots of key truths and great application that we can apply to our own life. Well, thanks again for joining us. We hope that you enjoy this lesson. All right, turn your Bibles to John chapter 8. John chapter 8. Today we're going to be talking, we're going to be looking at one of the greatest passages of Scripture. Well, they're all great, right? But this is one of Jesus' greatest uh, statements, if you will. Uh, We called this lesson, I am who I am. And if you guys remember, the whole series on John is called Who I Am. That's what we called it, because Jesus is showing himself as God. And there are a lot of people out there who do not think that Jesus is God. Now, all of us in here probably understand that Jesus is God, right? But my question for you today is, can you defend that truth? Okay, Peter talks about, he says that we should be able to give a defense, right? And... This is an important thing to be able to give a defense on. And when I think about defense, okay, I think about the Chicago Bears. Okay, the Chicago Bears. This year in the NFL, how many of you guys watch NFL at all? Okay, a couple of you. How many of you watch football at all? Okay, most people watch some football uh, at least. So I watch the NFL over college. I'm not going to get into why I do that right now, but I do. And this year, I was thinking about defenses, and I was like, if I had to pick which was the worst defense, which was it? And I immediately said the Chicago Bears because they were terrible this year. Okay, I'll give you a few stats on them. Okay, they allowed the most points in the NFL, 463 points to opposing teams. Okay, if you're a defense in the NFL, then what is your goal? Keep to keep them from scoring. Okay, they allowed the most points in the NFL for scoring. So obviously I was like, yeah, they're probably the worst defense. Okay. But some other things that you try not to allow, there are three other things, big things that you look at when you're talking about defensive stats, not defensive individual stats, but as a whole defensive team. And those stats are passing yards, rushing yards, and uh, yards per attempt or yards per um, play, if you will. Okay? And so those three things are things you look at because if they're, if they're getting yards, then they're going to score, right? Okay? So here's some other stats for the Chicago Bear. They allowed 3,716 passing yards, which was 15th in the league, which is actually their bet, the best part of their defense was this, okay, which is pretty sad. Yeah, they also allowed 2,674 rushing yards to opposing teams, which is almost dead last in rushing yards. And they allowed, this one's the worst of all, 6.1 yards per play. That is uh, 31st in the league out of 32 teams, okay? And they allowed, yards per play. Think about this. How many yards do you need for a first down? Ten. Ten. They averaged letting the team against them score or do six point yard or six point one yards every single play. Okay, that's their average. Okay, so they are they were terrible this year. They get the first uh, pick in the rookies this year, by the way, because they are so terrible. Okay, they were a terrible defense. They could not defend the end zone. Okay, our goal today, as we look at Jesus. Okay, and we look at what he says, we want to be able to defend. Okay, specifically, we want to be able to defend the point that he is God. 
I'll tell you a little bit about me, okay? Um, I mean, I've always known that Jesus, not always, but I've known that Jesus is God as long as I can remember, right? But I remember a definitive point in my life when I was able to defend that, okay? When I was able to defend that. And it wasn't until I was older than everybody in this room except maybe like Zayden Jeremiah. Was, I was really close to that age, okay, Simeon. That kind of senior, uh, freshman in college, that kind of age is when I, when I thought about this because um, it came up. Some people, I learned that some people in some different groups, they didn't believe that Jesus was God. And I was like, yes, he did. And they were like, no, no. And the best I could do was say, yes, he is. He is God. And, you know, I just didn't really know how to go through and, and defend it. Okay? And I, might, and I could have pointed to this passage, probably, that we're going to talk about today. And I could have pointed to other things. But I really, I didn't in depth. I couldn't argue it in depth. You know what I mean? Like if I said, well, Jesus said, you know, in John eight fifty eight that I am, like that, he's God, right? And that, that, you know, that might be as far as I got. And so for us, I want us to be able to defend all these points, but are a bunch of points about Jesus, but this one specifically today that we're going to talk about, I want us to be able to defend that Jesus is God. Okay? And we're only going to be able to do that if we study the Word of God and look at it. And this is one of the best passages for it, okay? We've seen already through the book of John, Jesus is presenting, uh, sorry, John is presenting Jesus as who? As God, right? And so we've already seen him through the first seven chapters, him, whether it's very bluntly say that Jesus is God, like in, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, right? We've seen it very definitively. We've also seen it um, kind of more like, uh, Jesus talking and teaching, and he like insinuates it, right? And even the Jewish leaders, they see it, and they're like, is he saying what I think he's saying, right? And here today, it's actually so clear that at the end of this, the Jewish leaders pick up stones to stone him because they think he's claiming to be God, which he is. Okay, so we're going to look at it. There are three questions we're going to look at today. Okay, let's read, um, let's read verse 48 through verse 51, okay? Because that's going to be our first question that we're going to look at, okay? So look in your Bibles, verse 48. uh, We'll start there. Remember what's going on. Jesus has been teaching, right? He's been going back and forth with the Jewish leaders. He's in the temple courtyard, probably the court of women. It is the feast of, the feast of booths that he's teaching at right now. He came not um, in a public way, but in a private way and began teaching. Now the Jews signifies the Jewish leaders. Okay, that's in verse 48. It says, The Jews answered and said to him, Do we not rightly say that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? And Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my Father, and you dishonor me. But I do not seek my glory. There is one who seeks and judges. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. So the first question is, are you a Samaritan that has a demon? Okay, yes. This is the first question, right? First question, right here in verse forty-eight. Uh, do we not rightly say that you have a or that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? So the first question we see today is: Are you a Samaritan that has a demon? Okay. And now, this is a kind of a strange question, but all three of these questions are—they're not like genuine questions. Okay, they are trying to disrespect Jesus, dishonor him in front of people, and show the people that he's not who he says he is. Okay, and so one of the ways that they're trying to do that is by saying that he's something that he's not. 
Okay, and this is not the first time um, that people have said, do you have a demon? Okay, now, I can't find anywhere else in Scripture that people question whether he's a Samaritan or not, like, publicly. Like, hey, are you a Samaritan? Okay, but there are several other places that say, uh, well, it's actually the Jewish leaders and some crowds that say they think he has a demon. John 7.20, okay, remember, this is not that long ago in the passage. It was a long time ago that we talked about it. This is probably in our passage yesterday or the day before. You know, it's a couple days ago. Uh, the people answered and said, You have a demon who is seeking to kill you. You guys remember that? So he's teaching in the crowds, and they say, You have a demon. So they say it again here. Okay, and then John 10. This is a little bit later on. We'll see it in the upcoming weeks. Uh, John 10, 19 and 20 says, Therefore there was a division among, again, among the Jews because of these sayings. Many of them said, He has a demon and he's mad. Why do you listen to him? So there are several times that uh, people say that Jesus has a demon. Okay, uh, and then this is the only time that I can find that they say you have a, you are a Samaritan. So they say you're a Samaritan that has a demon. And if you think about it, the reason they say this is because they they want to be godly, correct? Yeah, they want all be they want to be godly. They want to be viewed as godly. Yeah, and they want Jesus to be viewed as non-godly or ungodly, right? So. Off the top of their heads, they think of two things that are ungodly to them. Okay, demons, that's pretty self-explanatory, right? Are demons godly? No. Okay, let's all answer this question. Are demons godly? No. Okay, there we go. Thank you. It's pretty obvious that they're not. Samaritans, on the other hand, that's a little different. Would the Jewish Pharisees and scribes look at the Samaritans, or did they at that time look at the Samaritans as godly? No, they didn't. Okay, they didn't look at them as godly. They looked at them as ungodly. So I think that's why they're asking this dual question of, are you a Samaritan that has a demon? They're trying to make him out to be the most ungodly they can. Okay, so Jesus answers them, and uh, he answers them pretty directly on one of it, right? So he answers them directly, then he gives a contrast, and then he gives them a, a truth at the end of this. So we're going to look at it. Look at verse 49. It says, I do not have a demon. Okay, that's pretty much as direct as it gets, right? He said, no, I don't have a demon. I don't have a demon. Okay, notice that he says he doesn't have a demon, but he doesn't say anything about not being a Samaritan. Okay, I think this is interesting because, again, I think these guys are trying to make him out to be ungodly, right? That's why they're saying you have a demon. And I think that's why they're saying you, have a, you are a Samaritan as well. Okay, and so if they're trying to make him out to be ungodly, and he says, well, I'm not a Samaritan, and I don't have a demon, what would that kind of insinuate? That Samaritans are ungodly. But they're not, right? They're not, Samaritans aren't inherently ungodly. I mean, we are all, all ungodly, but they're not like more ungodly, right? Just inherently by their race, they're not more ungodly, right? And so I think that's why he doesn't mention that. I think that's why he mentions the demon and not them, okay? And so he says, I'm not a demon, okay? Or I don't have a demon. I don't have a demon. He doesn't say anything about being a Samaritan. Jesus came to save everybody. We already saw that. The woman at the well was a Samaritan, right? Yeah? And he offered her salvation. Yeah? Yeah, so uh, he came to save everybody, not just the Jews. And so he doesn't mention anything. I think that's why he doesn't mention anything about um, being a Samaritan. Okay? So then he does this contrast. And continue on in verse 49. It says, I do not have a demon. It says, but I honor my father and you dishonor me. I do not seek my glory. There is one who seeks and judges. Okay, so there's this contrast here, I think, that he's saying because he says, I'm not a demon. Okay, demons are ungodly. 
Okay, I'm not a demon, but my father and you dishonor me. I do not seek my glory, but there is one who seeks and judges. And I think that he's saying here that the godly, that God the Father, okay, is seeking His glory, okay, which is going to be a contrast to uh, demons. And he's also saying that he's not seeking his own glory, which I think is a contrast between him and Satan. Okay, again, we talked about a little bit about this last week, but when you think of Satan, what two sins do you think of the most? Pride and liar. Pride and liar, right? Because the scripture always says he's a liar, right? And you think of like when he fell, his pride. Um, and so you think of pride and lies. And so if he's a demon, then he's going to be prideful, right? Because he's going to be following after his father. As he just talked about, the Jews, Jewish leaders are following after their father, the liar, the devil. And if he were in that category, he would be prideful. But he's saying, I'm not even seeking my own glory here. Okay, I'm not even seeking my own glory. So I think that is a contrast that he's making there. Uh, and then he goes on, uh, there is one who seeks and judges. So, the one there is the Father. We're going to look at it, but who seeks? Uh, what is that seeking? What is the judging? Okay, And this is kind of interesting, I think, a little bit as he goes on and talks about it. Okay, I think that um, the seeking is the Father seeking, and it's, I think he's seeking the glory of the Son. Because right before he says, I do not seek my own glory, but there is one who seeks. So I think he's saying, in context, there's one seeking um, my glory, and that is the Father. And if you think about it, from the beginning of time, okay, the plan from the beginning was that there was a Messiah who was going to come, right? And that Messiah would pay for the sins of the world, die and rise again, and He would be glorified. So if you think about it, the plan from the beginning for, for the Father, for the Son, was that the Son would be glorified through this work of redemption, Right? And so the Father is seeking the glory of the Son in that way that the Son is fulfilling the Father's wishes. And those wishes are that ultimately through redemption He is glorified. So the Father is seeking the glory of the Son. Okay? And judges. Okay? That's another uh, thing we have to talk about. So what is, he, what is God judging? Um, and there's a lot of things you could put in there. Okay? Uh, we know that J- God gives Jesus all judgment. Right? God just gives Jesus all judgment. So what is it talking about? And I think that um, I think that it's actually talking in context, if you think about it. I think it's talking about judging Jesus' ministry. Right? So he's seeking to glorify Jesus through that ministry. He's seeking, and he was, will judge Jesus based on that ministry. Okay? The judgment is going to be good, right? Because Jesus fulfills it perfectly. But I think that's what he's talking about, that he's going to judge uh, whether Jesus' ministry is true or not, and if it follows the Father's will or not, which it will. But it makes sense too because these guys, these Pharisees and these scribes, they're trying to judge Jesus' ministry, right? And they're saying your ministry is false. What you're doing is wrong. You're demonic. You're Samaritan. You're, you're not following the law. You're this. You're, and they're trying to judge His ministry. And He said, no, you know, there's one that's going to seek my glory. I don't seek my own glory. The Father's going to seek my glory. And you don't judge my ministry. The Father judges my ministry. Okay, and I think that's what he's saying. And then I see this truth right here in verse 51. Look at it. And this is, this is pretty cool. I like this one. It says, Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. So he throws this truth out there. And uh, I love this truth. But the question is, what is keeping my word? Okay, what is keeping my word? Most of you probably know what that is. But we're going to talk about it a little bit. Because 
Uh, anybody who keeps his word will never see death. Okay, that means you get eternal life. Okay, if you keep his word. Well, what is his word? What other context do we have? Look at verse, you can go back to uh, verse 32 or you can look at it. I think I have it up here. Yeah. Sorry, verse 31, not verse 32. <clears throat> verse 32 has a very similar statement. Okay, and we talked about this last week. It says, as he spoke these words, many believed in him. Then Jesus said to the Jews who believe, if you abide, or last week some of the translations say continue, I think, but the word is abide or remain in my word, you are my disciples indeed. Okay, so it's saying continue, remain, or abide in my word. Right here he says what? If anybody, what's my word? Keeps, Keeps my word. So there's a difference here Okay, in keeping and abiding. Okay, we already talked about this one. If you live in my word, continue in my word, you're my disciples. That means you're following him, right? And that's not having to do with salvation, correct? What is that having to do with? Discipleship. Discipleship. So now here, we see something different. He who keeps my word will never see death. Well, what is the word? Okay, what is the word that he, he's wanting us to keep? Okay, in John 6, we already saw that, Jesus, or that God's uh, one command is to believe. What he's been saying throughout this whole thing is belief. Even if you go back to uh, verse 42, you know, you see that uh, his word is the Father's word. And really throughout this whole, even just this, like since he's been in the temple, he's already said, you got to believe, right? He's already said that. He said, you got to believe. Uh, and if you don't, remember, in, I think it's in verse 38 or something, if you don't believe, you're going to die in your sin and things like that. And so he said, you got to believe. So his word is that you got to believe in him. His word is that He is the Messiah. You believe in Him for eternal life. Okay? And so that's what He's saying. That's the truth here. Truly, truly, if I say to you, if anyone keeps My word, His word is that you believe in Him, He will never see death. Okay? Now, this makes the Jews, they they don't understand it. Okay? They don't understand what He's saying here. Because look at their next question. This is the second question. Look at verse 52 with me. It says, The Jews said to Him, now we know that you have a demon. Even though you didn't say, you said you didn't, we know that you do. Abraham died, and the prophets also. And you say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Surely you are not greater than our father Abraham who died, and the prophets who died too. Whom, you make your, whom do you make yourself out to be? And so they say, so these guys are like, okay, you say that if, you, if somebody keeps your word, he's never going to die. Well, Abraham died. The prophets died. Are you better than them? Can you do more than them? Okay, that's their question. Are you greater than our father Abraham? And remember, they're thinking physical, right? Yes. Yeah, okay. Because did Abraham die physically? Yes. Okay, and where was he until Jesus' death and resurrection? Uh, Sheol. Yeah, heart of your Sheol, okay. Well, and then. Yeah, Abraham's bosom, he was, right? And that Abraham would have been in Abraham's bosom. Okay, same but place. He was on the other side with the bad angels, wasn't he? Abraham? I'm not Abraham. Oh, well, I'm talking about Abraham. I'm talking about Abraham. Okay, Abraham, okay, he, he is in Sheol. And then when Jesus died and rose again, Abraham got to be with Jesus, right? So, is Abraham dead? Physically, yes. Spiritually, no. His soul's alive and with Jesus, right? And so, they're not thinking right here. Okay, They're thinking wrong, obviously. Uh, but they say, are you greater than our Abraham? And this is going to be, this is where it, 
It's been going on the whole time, but he, he wor- he's working his way to the greatest state, one of the greatest statements that he makes, okay? Uh, but they're like, all right, you're crazy. You're not, how can you give life, okay? How can you give life? Okay, look at Jesus' answer, okay? <clears throat> if I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my Father who glorifies me, of whom you say, He is our God. And you have not come to know Him, but I know Him. And if I say that I do not know Him, I will be a liar like you. But I do not know Him, and He keeps my... Or, sorry, but I do know Him, and He... Or, keep His word. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Okay, and so they're like, so who are you claiming to be? And who does he who does he talk about right away? The father. He talks about the father. Okay, who are you claiming to be? And I I think that like if you look at this, okay, he says, I don't glorify myself. Okay, you want to know who I am? Why don't you ask the father who you claim to be children of? You're you're a child, you're you're claiming that God is your father, because that's what they've already claimed several times, right? You're claiming that God is your father. And all you have to do is ask Him, and He'll tell you about me. Because the Father's the one glorifying me, and I'm doing everything the Father's saying. So why don't you ask your God who I am? I think that's what He's saying here. right? Why don't you, why don't you just ask God? Okay, Let's read again. If I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my Father who glorifies me, whom you say He is our God. So He's saying, you're saying the God, that God the Father is your Father. He's our God. Okay? And that's the one that's glorifying me. And you have not come to know him, but I know him. So he's like, you don't know him. Okay? You don't know him. And if I say that I do not know him, I will be a liar like you. Okay? Why are they liars? Because they don't know God, right? They don't know God. They're saying they're claiming to know God, but they don't. Okay? And so he says, I'm going to be a liar like you if I claim to not know God. I do know God because he's my father. But I know him and keep his word. For your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And he saw it and was glad. Okay, now, Abraham, Abraham's God is God, right? So, Abraham's God is God. And so he says, your father Abraham, who you're a descendant of, okay, even though earlier he said, you're not a child of Abraham, you're not doing what Abraham would have done, okay, but as a descendant of Abraham, okay, Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Okay, now, if you're thinking physical, um, and Jesus said this, what would you think? <laughs> Scout. You weren't alive when, you, when Abraham existed. Exactly. You weren't alive when Abraham died like 2,000 years ago, dude. So, how can he rejoice right now to see, or how could he have rejoiced to see your day? Because your day, I mean, obviously they're thinking your day is right now. You're, you're alive right now. So, how could Abraham rejoice in your day? Well, how could Abraham rejoice in, in Jesus' day without being alive during Jesus' time? Okay, but it, yeah, that's true. But this is a past tense. Abraham rejoiced. Past tense to see my day. So how could he have rejoiced to see Jesus' day? He was promised seed. Okay, that's right. It's Scripture. Okay, does the Scripture talk about Jesus? In fact, Jesus claimed that the Scripture was one of his witnesses earlier on, right? And so if the Scriptures talk about him in the past, those were written in the past, and God 
directly spoke to Abraham too about it, right? Yeah? Was there a direct promise from God to Abraham about uh, the seed or the coming Messiah? So, could he then rejoice in the coming Messiah's day? Yes? Yes. Okay, so Abraham did rejoice to see his day. Okay? He did rejoice to see his day. So, now the Jews are saying what you would say if you were thinking um, physically. So the Jews said to him, You are not 50 years old. Okay? You are not 50 years old. And yet you have seen Abraham? Okay, that's their third question. Uh, you're not even old enough to see Abraham. Obviously, no one on earth was old enough because that was like 2,000 years before. Right? So he said, how can you see Abraham? How could Abraham see you or you see Abraham? You're, 50, you're not even 50. And Abraham lived 2,000 years ago. Okay? And this is the, the <clears throat> one of the greatest statements in Scripture. Okay? One of the greatest claims of Jesus to be God um, in verse 58. Look at it. It says, Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. You might say before Abraham was born, but that born isn't there. It's just, you can add, I mean, it can be there, but it's before Abraham was, I am. Okay? Now, if you know nothing of Scripture, and you're just reading through this, that, that, that statement doesn't mean anything to you, right? That's why when we study the Scripture and we know the context and understand the things about this verse, we understand what it's saying. And then you look at verse 59 and you're like, okay, something big is going on. Because look at it. It says, therefore they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. So this statement was big enough that they wanted to kill him on the spot. So that tells us we need to look at this statement and we need to see what this statement's saying because it's a big deal. right? So, first off, okay, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Okay, that I am is is what statement do you think? It's ego you mean. Okay, and all the I am statements are derived, I think, from a passage in the Old Testament. This is Exodus 3.14. Okay, this is God speaking to Moses, the burning bush. Moses comes out and he says, all these excuses. You know, I can't do it, I can't do it, I can't do it. And then he says, well, who am I going to say sent me, God? Like, who am I going to say sent me? Who, 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 what, what's your name? I need to give him a name. And this is what, Jesus, or what God says to Moses. God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Okay, This is really interesting. And God even uses grammar. Okay, Sorry to disappoint you guys that don't like grammar or English, but God even uses grammar. Okay, Look at this. In this statement by God, the, I can't use my whole thing. The I am there is a present tense. Okay, the has is a past tense. Okay, the I am is a present tense. The has is a past tense. So you're saying I am present tense, has past tense sent you. Okay, and I think that's talking about the eternality. I don't even know if that's a word. Okay, eternality of God. Okay, He is eternal. He is. He is. No matter what time period it was, is, or will be, He is. Okay, I am. And that's why egoing me is such a strong statement. Now let's go to Jesus' statement. Okay? He says, before Abraham was. What is what is was? What tense is was? Past. It's a past tense. What tense is am? Present. It is a present tense. So he says, before Abraham was, 
I am. So he's claiming to be God. He's claiming to be eternal. He's claiming to be Messiah. He is claiming all these things in one statement. And that's why it's so strong. And they want to pick up stones to kill him. Because he is saying, before past tense, I am present tense. Okay, before past tense, I am present tense. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He's eternal. And He's claiming right here to be eternal. So, when people around us claim or say that Jesus never claimed to be God, okay, they're, they're wrong. And this isn't the only spot, and we know that. Okay, but this is one of the strongest places that you can go to to defend the fact that Jesus is God. Okay, but you've got to know it, and you've got to study it, and you've got to say, hey, you've got to be able to explain. You can't just say, go to somebody who's not a believer or isn't in the Word, and they say, well, Jesus never claimed to be God. And you go to them and say, well, Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. I mean, if they've never studied the Scripture, they don't know anything about the Scripture, what are they going to say? So, so what? That doesn't say, Jesus said, I am God. So obviously that's not a claim to be God, right? And so you have to be able to articulate all these things. You have to be able to say, okay, I can explain to someone who comes to me uh, that I am is the name of God in the Old Testament. I can explain to them that this past and present tense means that He is claiming to be eternal God. And I can explain to them that in verse 59 it says, Therefore they picked up stones to throw at Him, but Jesus hid Himself and went out of the temple. Why in the world would they want to stone Him? Why do they want to kill Him? Because he's claiming to be God. Well, why does that even matter? There's tons of people that claim to be God in Jewish history. So why does it matter that he's claiming to be God? Why, does, why, does, why do they want to kill him so bad? He makes him look bad. Okay, he makes him look bad? Why does he make him look bad? Because he's perfect. Because he's perfect. Because he is God, right? And he is threatening all of their power. Okay, because here's the deal. If a guy came along, and let's say Elijah came along, and Elijah came along in the Jewish culture and he said, I am God. And everybody could tell he wasn't. And he had a really small following. And eventually he just died. What would happen? Does that threaten them at all? No, absolutely not. Okay, if somebody comes along like Jesus, well, only Jesus, right? If Jesus comes along and he claims to be Messiah and God, and they can't figure out anything that he's ever done wrong, and he's proving everything he says with miracles. And there are witnesses like the Holy Spirit and God the Father speaking from heaven and John the Baptist. And they look at Scripture and He fulfills every single part of Scripture that they can find. Why does that threaten their power and their authority? It doesn't make them look as like they're doing much. Yeah, it doesn't look like they're doing as much. Okay, yeah. And okay, if, if He's God, do they have any power? No. No, He has all the authority now. Right? All the authority is now His if He is right. And guess what? He's kind of tearing down their, their fake human law system that they like. Okay? And if they don't have that law system, what power do they have? As, as a Pharisee or a scribe, or a, uh, yeah, Pharisee or a scribe, really, those two, what power do they have without the law? Their human side of the law section that they kind of made up. They don't really have power over the people anymore. Right? I don't really have power because right now they can, 
they have power because they know the laws. They know the laws better than anybody else. And so they can tell people that there's a law, even if it's not. Like that law that they made up about picking up the mat and walking. Right? That was, a tr that was like a traditional, what you call a tradition law. That was one they made up. So they can, they can exercise power over somebody because they say, you can't do that, and we are enforcing the law. They have that authority and power over people, right? Um, and so Jesus comes along, and he says, that's not in Scripture. And he challenges it. And everything he says and does matches and lines up with him being God and Messiah. They're, they're starting to lose their power. And so they're scared. They're scared of Jesus. And so when he says, before Abraham was, I am, it's like he's saying, I'm God. Okay, and I'm and he just said I'm sent from God. I am God, and I'm sent from God, and that means that what he's saying is right, and what they're saying is wrong. So, are you able to defend it? Are you able to defend uh, that Jesus is God? So, what's our impact? Number one, <clears throat> the first one is from earlier. Okay, we didn't spend a ton of time on it, but remain in the Word of Christ. Remain in the Word of God. If you go back um, and read that verse. If anyone, truly true, I say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. We know that that's believing in him for eternal life. Okay? And then you go all the way back to 31. He says, whoever remains in my word is truly my disciple. Okay? We want to do both these things. We want to believe in him for eternal life, which most of you have. But not only that, we want to also remain in his word, follow him, so we are his disciples. Okay? So that is one area that we can apply uh, this scripture. But I think uh, the focus today, the focus this week, uh, for me, was know how to defend Jesus' deity. Okay, If someone were to come up to you and say, Jesus never claimed to be God in the Scripture, could you defend it? And could you defend it well and argue it well to the point where, like, maybe you don't convince them, but to the point where like your, your points are good and they make sense? More than just like, well, he, he does claim to be God. You know, Are you able to articulate in a way that even if somebody doesn't know any Scripture... And they don't know that when he says, in the beginning was the Word, they're talking about Jesus. Maybe they don't know that. They don't know any of this stuff. Are you able to articulate it well enough to show them that Jesus does claim to be God and that he proved it? Okay. And so that's something that we can work on, uh, I think, is, is like, hey, I'm going to know the Scripture even better so that I can, I can defend it. And it's not only in this area. It's in every area. But this is a, a key one and an important one, all right? Thanks for joining us for True to the Bible podcast. We hope that you enjoyed this lesson. If you have any questions about this lesson or any of the other True to the Bible podcasts, don't hesitate to contact us at hunter.davis at stillwaterbible.org. Thanks again for tuning in. We hope that you join us for our next lesson.